Coming up on today's Locked On Bucks, one day removed from a first half massacre against the Utah Jazz. We uh, pick through those pieces and re-examine uh, what we saw. A tale of two halves for the Bucks, but uh, taking a closer look at what some of the young players brought to the Bucks and what to expect from them for the remainder of the season. And uh, also as we search for some good news and some hope to cling to in what has been a rough start to 2024 for the Bucks. We may have gotten it earlier today with some Jay Crowder news. We will uh, dig through that and fill you in on all the details about a pending return for a big piece for the Bucks. coming up next on Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. She is Camille Davis. You can hear her on the Technical Foul podcast, as well as the Carry the G in MKE podcast. And we both thank you for making Locked On your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also viewable on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day today's locked on bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. make every moment more right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet 150 bucks if your team wins visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started uh camille you and uh, frank went through the obit for the bucks last night on the post game um, but look, we're, we're 24 hours removed from that. I don't think a whole lot of Bucks fans' opinions have changed on what it is that's ailing this team and how we got here. But I suppose, you know, we shouldn't only present what the problems are. We should try to examine how do you improve things. Right. So let's start there. The defense is clearly the biggest problem, not to say it's been the only problem with the Bucks. But that's where you have to start with the defense and uh, what we've seen here. Uh, I'm going to put all the pressure on you. Is there a way to fix this with this current iteration of the team, with the personnel and everybody that's in place? Is this defense currently fixable? My response to that first would be like, what do you define as fixable? Because if you mean fixable as in like you're going to see an elite defense as we've seen in years past here under Mike Budenholzer, I would say no. I don't think this person, this team has the personnel to do that. But if you ask me, can this team be fixed in the sense of maybe being a middling defense? I do still think that there's hope for this team to do that if they start playing a little bit uh, more together if they start playing without as many miscommunications if they understand the assignment in front of them a little bit more clear and I say it that way because we've seen proof that they can defend at an all right level like I pointed to their numbers in December and in December defensively they were the 14th best defense points per possession they were allowing the second uh, best opponent field goal percentage. And part of that is because teams had a lot of bad three luck shooting or three point shooting luck against the Bucs. So acknowledge that piece of it. But you also look at the fact that uh, the Bucs weren't firsting many turnovers, which hasn't changed too much, which to that piece of it, I'm like, OK, Griff talked about what he wanted his defense to do and he wanted a defense to force a lot of turnovers. They haven't been good at that. 
And the way that they've been trying to apply pressure is having guys press up on the ball 30 feet above. Like you have guys yeah. pressing, which is allowing the uh, opposition to get straight line drives to the basket. And at this point, the sample sizes are telling us we're not getting enough turnovers to justify continuing to play this way. At this point, it's just creating another exploit for offenses to take advantage of against this Bucks defense. So that's something I would switch out. Um, and then when it comes to the personnel currently on the team, Listen, I absolutely applaud Malik Beasley for the effort and energy he's been giving defensively. I applaud the fact that he wants to be up for the challenge of defending the best player on the other team. But again, the sample size is large enough now, and it just has not looked good uh, with him trying to be the main point of attack defender. So what can you do there? Who else can you mix in? And we mentioned it a bit on the post-game show last night. We're like, yeah, maybe we throw Andre Jackson Jr. in there. But even with that, that's not a solve all to everything. Putting Andre Jackson Jr. in the starting lineup is not going to transform this defense immediately into something elite. Like it might just give you a little bit better point of attack defense. And some of the numbers even show that when Andre Jackson Jr. is in the game, he fouls a lot. And part of that's being young, figuring out the NBA. He puts his body into a lot of defenders, he uses his body to defend more so than moving his feet at times. So there are things he's going to have to learn. But I feel like at this point, what the young guys have shown us, like they deserve a chance to see if they can crack that code of making this defense a little bit better. But yeah, I think it's fixable in the sense of, I think you can get back up to about 15. You can be a 15, maybe at best, like, you know, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. But I don't think that this team has the tools currently on the roster to be an elite defense. There's just too many leaks right now. Yeah, and so um, that's exactly where I was headed when you added the, the caveat of what's your definition of fixed <laughs> defense. That's exactly where uh, I was thinking too, is can you just get to league average or slightly better than it? Um, we mentioned a lot that that's where this group had been sitting for really up until what, two weeks ago, yeah. ever since they pushed Brooke Lopez back into the drop position, that's where they've been defensively. Um, we've seen the offense start to take a bit of a, a tumble at times in that same time span for a while. They were neck and neck with the Indiana Pacers for the, uh, the best offense in the league. They've dropped down to third now in games played since November 4th, uh, November 3rd, since that uh, first game against the Knicks third best offense now behind the thunder and the Pacers and the Celtics are, are picking up uh, steam and, and catching up to them, but their defense in those games since then, is tied with the Mavs for uh, 15th best in the league. And we're starting to see separation because for a while it was, yeah, they're around 15, 16, 17, but they're less than a point per 100 possessions behind 11 or 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. We've already started to see that, that gap form where the Bucks and the Mavericks both have a 116 defensive rating since that November 3rd date. Knicks aren't behind either that much at 116.1. You got the Suns at 116.6. But in terms of teams in front of them, the Bulls, 114.3. So we're talking nearly two points per 100 possessions right now that's separating you from two spots up. Whereas you look at the teams behind you, it's less than a point before the Bucs drop back into the 20s since that date, since we keep pointing to with this defense playing better. So uh, it's it's been kind of a slow bleed for the last two weeks that we've seen defensively here and I think we did see a lot of that energy and a lot of that youth and what they bring 
with guys like Andre Jackson Jr. and uh, certainly Marjan that he he seems to be at his best this season. Marjan does when he's on the floor with some of those other guys like an Andre Jackson Jr. When when he's out there with the veterans, not to say he looks lost, but I do think there's a part of it that's just psychological too. That there's this group of the vets that have played together for years, and and now you're the new guy that's like, hey, I'm I'm here too, guys. So I think that's part of it. Um, but you and Frank dissected this last night too as much praise as we can heap on those young players, there's two things to keep in mind. Uh, number one, we saw a big drop-off offensively when you had oh, yeah. multiples of those players on the floor. Granted, there was no Damian Lillard to help you out there when when he's hitting shots, especially. That will help offset some of it, but you still noticed, okay, here's the drop-off. And we'd seen it to lesser degrees earlier when you would swap out Malik Beasley for say Andre Jackson Jr. And you would see a, a couple of swing swings. It gets to Andre in the corner and the defenders can sag off a little bit more with not that fear of Malik Beasley taking an uncontested three. But when you had multiple of those young players on the floor at the same time who have the defensive skill set, not so much offensively. I think Chris Livingston Gave you a very nice spark, but I do think it's safe to say he probably was getting fatigued towards the end of his run. He was on the floor for, I think, about 15 minutes of game time in a row. He closed out the third quarter, didn't get lifted until late in the fourth, right? I remember kept looking down there and thinking like, wow, I can't believe they still have him out there. You saw some nice finishes around the rim, but I think some of the other ones late had to do a little bit with fatigue, but it's a big drop-off when when you see the offensive skill set of some of those other players going to them. So that's something that you're going to have to grapple with as well of what's the trade-off and what we can accept and what we can't. The other part, and I do want to touch on this quite a bit more after the break, but you brought this up on the post game last night. And I, I do think it's something that we tend to overlook a lot of times when you get wrapped up in the excitement and growth that you're seeing from young players. And that's, you know, keeping a focus on level setting and what to legitimately expect from young guys not only on a per uh, minutes basis per game throughout the season, but especially when we talk about these things that this team needs to improve for the postseason, to take a real hard look at what can you realistically expect from uh, from some of those young players to be contributing that when you get into a playoff minute. So we'll get into uh, that discussion. And I mentioned some finally some much needed good news for the Bucks in regards to a uh, Jay Crowder. We'll get to that coming up after the break. Well, it is time to talk to you about FanDuel because the regular season in the NFL may be wrapping up, but that doesn't mean there is not time to get in on the action. You can still do that with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, through FanDuel. Their app is easy to use, and there are a number of different uh, betting options that you have. Live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays. All of that and more. So don't hesitate. Visit FanDuel.com/slash/locked-on and make your first bet a layup. That address again: FanDuel.com/slash/locked-on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. So, 
Camille, I mentioned the young players and what to expect from them. And, you know, you pointed out in the post game last night, we can see this growth from players like uh, specifically Andre Jackson and last night for the first time, Chris Livingston. And it's one thing to get excited and see aspects of their game that you can develop, but you also have to keep in mind it's easier said than done. You know, for, for as many knocks as we've seen on previous coaching staffs of why didn't you play these young players and get them ready and developed, we're starting to see the same thing with this group. And I think that just goes to show you how most coaches are wired and, and how they think about you got to bring along young players slowly. And there is some merit to that for the foul issue and everything else, which you touched on. But, you know, this notion of we see what Chris Livingston brings. And I'm as guilty of it as anyone because when you left that game, it wasn't hard to kind of think, you know, I wonder if this guy has even more upside than the other two names that we've discussed because of his frame, because of when you think about what the Bucks need specifically, you need switchable wing defenders. And you saw that, albeit limited against the Jazz team, but you saw it from Chris, Chris Livingston. The point, though, is, you know, it's not going to be easy to continue right. to feed him reps unless something you don't want to happen happens, unless you start to get some injuries piling up because those minutes got to come from somewhere. And this team has been very lucky in terms of their health throughout the course of this season. I mentioned the good news on Jay Crowder. He's nearing a return. That's only going to make it more difficult to find these guys minutes. So as much as you do want to give them that growth and find those opportunities and Griff himself said after the game, I've always been very intrigued by Chris and some of the things that he brings with, uh, certainly his size and you look at his frame and his body that he's always intrigued me. And I knew about his defensive skill set. I was looking for an opportunity to get him minutes tonight. I thought could have been one of those and it proved to be, but that was a game where you still didn't have Jay Crowder and you right. didn't have campaign or Damian Lillard. So it's not as though all of a sudden these guys are just plug and play 15 to 20 minutes a night guys. I mean, once Jay Crowder went out, I thought that we would see Marjan and Andre Jackson Jr., even a little bit more A.J. Green more consistently. And their times that they played were still sporadic. Like, you couldn't really uh, figure out, like, oh, I for sure Andre Jackson's going to get 15 minutes tonight, or I'm sure I'm going to see 10 from A.J. or Marjan's going to get 15. It continued to fluctuate based on a game-to-game basis. And um, it's so interesting with the young guys, part of it, right? Because I think about the Warriors and how they want to do the two timelines at the same time where they have their vets and they have their young guys. And it's like we're trying to develop them together. And if things go swimmingly, once these old guys are getting ready to leave our team, the young guys can take over and we don't lose a step. We keep rolling. And that sounds really good in theory, but it's hard to play young guys and vets. And that's a problem, I think, with the Bucks as they're constructed, because when you're a team with championship aspirations, that's why you have all the vets because they know what to do. You expect them to be in the right place at the right time. You expect them to have that experience to be able to get you those wins that you so desperately need because even while you're figuring things out, you don't want to fall down the standings. And that's one thing I can say about the Bucks at the very least where it's like you look up, this team is still top two in the East. So you're like with all of the things that they're still figuring out with all the questions we might have, around their defense, around who's playing, around the offense even, like they're still able at this point to not lose ground in the standings while they're still figuring things out. So looking at the Bucks, young guys, I mentioned the fact that earlier in the season, I was like, I get why we're riding the vets. Like it makes sense. Go ahead and do it. I was like, maybe Griff just wants to give them the first opportunity. Like, hey, 
Yeah. You earn this starting role or you earn these minutes and you go ahead and play in them. But again, sample sizes are getting bigger. And it's come to a point now where it's like if our vets are going to be making some mistakes or they're not knocking down shots, do we have some other guys on the bench who could also use this time and be productive in these minutes? So it's that balancing act of trying to get the young guys in and get their minutes while you're still trying to win games. And it's not me saying that I don't think that, you know, the young guys can't win games. It's just that you see it with the fouling. You saw it with the spacing offensively. Like there are just some things that you're trading off when they are in the game. So you have to try to find those right combination pieces. And maybe that's something that Grip has to further explore with trial and error. Because, I mean, we didn't even see Marjan with the other four starters until very late on into the season. Like I understand Chris Middleton had the injuries and whatnot, but even rotationally, you would think like, hey, this is a look that we might see. So I'm not, I don't know if Chris Livingston and his stand against the Jazz has said like, hey, you're going to get five, five, ten minutes now going forward. But I was thinking his spot minutes, where he gets the spot minutes is what I'm going to be looking at more so than anything. The same with Andre, the same with Marjan. Who are you putting them in the lineup with? I think that's also very important for how they play. It affects the spacing, the defense, everything. So I think that's a key to it that I'll be looking at as well going forward. Yeah, and um, I do want to, to to get your your take on the trio of the young guys and and what you've kind of taken away from from all of them so far this season. But um, I, I think you're starting to hit that point on the the yeah. point that you brought up about giving vets the opportunity first, and it's the same conversation as I'm sure it's intensified in the last couple of days here. But it's the same thing that we went over with Malik Beasley in the starting lineup in that. He was your starter from day one, and I can get why. That if if you did go with Marjan or with Andre Jackson Jr. somehow as a rookie, that's a lot of pressure that you're immediately placing on a very young player in the case of Andre that hasn't been in the league before, in the case of Marjan that doesn't have a whole lot of reps so far. Uh, but that's a lot of pressure that you're placing on a young player on a team that has very high expectations. Yep. And if it doesn't work out, What's plan B? It's easier to move on from the vet if that doesn't work out and say, okay, if the young guy earns it, we're going to put you in the starting lineup and you're going to take that spot. If the roles are reversed, it can be tough psychologically and in terms of your confidence for a young player. So I get all that and why you would make that start uh, immediately or, or go down that path immediately. And, and also, I mean, look, it's it's not to, to beat a dead horse here, but again, this lineup, this starting lineup, I'm sure was constructed when you thought the point guard in the backcourt was going to be different. Now, that's not to absolve Adrian Griffin of any further adjustments. I'm sure that was a challenge coming in of here's what I thought I would have, and here's where Malik Beasley would make a lot more sense. A week before training camp, that's not the case. But you still have to see how that's going and adjust. Um, but I think you're you're starting to reach that point with the rest. And, and how many games have we talked about where the Bucks bench has just been outperformed by the yeah. opposition. And look, part of it too is this bench is not constructed to be a high scoring unit. When you look at the higher scoring benches in the league, the Bucks have been up against a few of them recently, but those are typically teams that have a guy that could be a starter and is a high volume score, kind of like Malik Beasley, that when you have that on your bench and a guy that can pop off for 20 to 30 points, and maybe another player or two that that fits that mold, you're going to be one of the better scoring benches in the league. We saw it with the Pacers. The Jazz fit that role as well with Jordan yeah. Clarkson and yeah. some of their guys. That's not how the Bucks bench is constructed. It's, it's more in line with how the early benches under Bud were 
where the thought was, just don't give up the lead. We're going to bring you in here, play defense, don't sacrifice the lead. And the group hasn't been able to do that either because of some team-wide defensive issues that we've seen. So I, I don't think it's the time is running out, but you're starting to reach the point where it's, look, we need to see you playing like the numbers on the back of your basketball card. Otherwise, maybe we do have to examine some other things and we do have to start to try to find a way to force some minutes to that trio of players, whether it's Chris Livingston or, or Andre or Marjan. Um, all that said, I know part of it is is certainly uh, positional dependent here, but your 40-game assessment, in the case of Chris Livingston, it's really just one, a handful right. of games that we've seen him overall. Uh, but which of those three guys do you think has the best chance at contributing not this year, but in the most immediate future for the Bucs? It's an interesting question. And the Chris Livingston piece is like, you're, this is interesting because of his body shape as well. I believe he's like 6'6". He's very solid. 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and a very, very highly touted high school prospect. Yeah. He had that that pipeline through Kentucky as well. So you can see all the tools and, and what got him there. Yeah, and it's it's definitely intriguing. And at this point, I feel like I don't have a big enough sample size on Chris to really yeah. be like, he's the one. But I tell you what, after seeing him last night um, in those spot minutes and just what he was able to do getting thrown in for like really his first um, extended NBA run, it was yeah. – Kind of impressive until he kind of ran out of gas. Like in the fourth quarter there, it seemed like some more mis mental mistakes were being made and understandable. But Andre Jackson Jr. is somebody with an interesting skill set where it's like outside of the defense, like the passing ability, the hustle, the athleticism. And this is a Bucks team that needs some athleticism and some some speed juiced up on this roster. So Andre really intrigues me, but every day is no. I've been a Marjan fan since draft day because I felt like he has the tools and I still believe Marjan can contribute something positively to this team, especially in those times where it seems like his confidence is high. And he's really also looking to initiate some offense as well, because of those three guys, Marjan offensively gives you the most. Just what he's able to yeah. do with the ball, how he's able to create um, defensively. I feel like you get the most from Andre at this point yeah. uh, over Marjan. And Chris is kind of like that question mark at the moment. So yeah. all three are really interesting. And I know we have the trade deadline coming up. So these might be names that you're hearing dangled in, in trade rumors and offers, whatever the case may be. And, the one side of me is like, I get it. If we can improve our team, you got to take a look at doing it because we're in a championship window. But the long-term fan to me is also like having some young guys who we can develop, especially with the salary situation here. If any of these three guys can hit, like you found something here and that's going to be important for this team as well. So I'm I, Jerry's still out, but offensively it's Marjan defensively. It's Andre for me at the moment. Chris is kind of a question mark. Take I'm not the body sure. Of Chris, but... The defense of Andre and the offense yeah, let me, let me of Marjan. Together. Let me push them yeah. all together. <laughs> Get a push. That's the biggest shame too, is, is, you know, these are guys where you can, you can see something with all of yeah. them. And there's clearly skill sets there to continue developing. But unfortunately, with where the Bucks are in terms of their window, you wish these guys were drafted two or three years ago, that yep. it they went through that development, and now you're starting to get to that point where you can really lean on them as contributors and solid role players and uh, rotational guys for a team that hopes to go deep in the, uh, the postseason. I do want to get to the good news for Jay Crowder. We don't have any official news, but if you can read the writing on the wall, it is very, very good news. And uh, some other lineup numbers 
to throw your way. We'll get into the discussion coming up after this. Well, today's Locked On Bucks is brought to you by BetterHelp. And look, I know we just exited a very tough time on the calendar for a lot of people. Maybe you're still dealing with some of that uh, overdue holiday stress. All the lead up to the holidays, everything that goes into it, really starting in November, it can be a lot and it can weigh on all of us. Maybe your New Year's resolution has been to improve your outlook and your mental health. That's where BetterHelp can really, really assist you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing that works. BetterHelp is here to assist you there. Uh, Whether or not it's finding little areas to fine-tune and improve, or if you just need to seek that help and speak with somebody, BetterHelp is here to help you out. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. From there, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you have already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA, and you'll get 10% off your first month. Again, today, go to BetterHelp.com slash NBA. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash LockedOnNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. And we'll also remind you here as you're viewing this Locked On Bucks on YouTube, if you like what you see there and you want to hear more about other NBA teams or if you want to get ready for the NFL playoffs, Locked On is here to assist you as they've launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today. It is here for you 24-7 as they cover the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows that cover every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Um, Camille, I mentioned the good news, so we'll start with that. Uh, Jay Crowder was assigned to the Wisconsin herd earlier in the day on Tuesday since recalled. We don't really have a, a, a timeline per se, and there's no word on when that return to the floor is going to be, but it does really feel like it's going to come this week at some point during the homestand Monday, um, this what earlier this, this week, that was the eight week mark for Jay Crowder. And the initial timeline on this injury was six to eight weeks. So, We've heard for the last, what, two weeks or so from Griff that Jay Crowder is progressing well. They didn't give a timeline on we expect him to return around this date or by then. Um, But it is getting close, and seeing things like him getting assigned to the herd to go through some of those workouts leave you very, very encouraged for a player that, as as we've mentioned a number of times in recent days and weeks here, Jay Crowder is not going to fix everything. He's not the magic wand where all of a sudden your defense hits those levels that we're calling for, but he's going to do a lot to help it. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that because when Jay Crowder went out, it was a blow to this team. Jay Crowder was playing fantastically for this team. And if you look at just the numbers alone, you're going to be like, I don't see why you're so excited about this dude coming back. Like, what what am, what am I doing with eight points a game in 26 minutes? Like, what are you talking about? But it's the fact of the matter that he was shooting like 50% from three prior to his injury. Now I don't expect for that to remain like that's 
not that's ridiculous, but he's shown that he's a good three-point shooter. He can space the floor and defensively, he allows the Bucks to unlock some different lineups as well because he can be that small ball four, which is something that we saw Griff try with Andre Jackson Jr. more recently. And I was like, that actually really intrigued me a bit as well, having Andre next to Giannis and maybe with Jay coming back, um, seeing some of those more small ball lineups, maybe you do see Andre out there as well. So they can kind of switch back and forth, whatever the case may be. But uh, Jay coming back helps the defense. He's a he's a veteran who communicates, who knows what he's supposed to be doing. He's played in multiple different schemes. He's savvy and he helps get other players in the right position as well, which is what you normally see from Brooke with the drop where he's quarterbacking guys on where to be. And you can get that also from Jay Crowder, that vet uh, aspect of him and the, sh- the spacing the floor. And what excites me the most is what I mentioned is like the lineups we can unlock because uh, we've seen Bobby, we've seen Brooke, we've seen Giannis, we've seen this front court with the mix of those three. And for some teams, you're going to need that size. Like it's not to say that, you know, get rid of Brooke or get rid of Bobby right away. Like there are some lineups where you can say like, Hey, we need the size here, but, for a lot of teams, especially those who go fast, and if Grip is wanting to switch everything as well, Jay Crowder feels a lot more suitable for that role than a Bobby Portis does. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he's able to unlock with this Bucks roster when he gets back. Yeah, and it it's tough to really point to anything concrete, concretely here with Jay because the injury came so early in the season. It was what nine games. I think that, that he ended up playing in before the injury. And the other part of it is that was a moment when the bucks offense was not this second ranked or third ranked offensive unit that it's been largely for the last month, six weeks, two months. Um, so there's those caveats to add to it, but you mentioned the defense and the different lineups and things that that unlocks for you. And I, I think, look, the two big things are, We've kind of seen, and as you listen to other coaches, and Eric Spolstra did a video, I remember about a year ago for NBA.com, where where he was walking through pick and roll defense and the challenges with it, what the league has kind of adopted and, and what's the best route for it. And I mean, he doesn't say this, but when you listen to him, you can kind of get the feeling of, okay, Spo thinks, and, and it's not just Spo, all of us do. The best way to combat this is you need to be able to switch. You need switchable guys. I mean, think about Miami's defense and Bam Adebayo, that he can protect the rim, he can switch and play on the perimeter. And that's what Jay Crowder allows you to do, that you can play Giannis at the five in those spots. Jay Crowder can be that small ball four, and you can switch a lot of looks. And especially with some of these young guys that we talked about, you can probably sprinkle in one of those guys and still be able to switch quite a bit on the perimeter their numbers in those minutes with Jay Crowder on the floor and looking at specifically uh, minutes and lineups where it's been Jay Crowder and those two big pieces and Giannis and Damian Lillard, the offense has just been basically okay. Again, that was early in the season when this team was still figuring things out offensively, just okay. Uh, 110 offensive rating, but a 108.1 defensive rating, 96th percentile, Free throw rate defensively improves. And otherwise, in other words, they're not putting opponents on the line as much. And most importantly, opponents have had a 20% offensive rebounding rate. That has been an absolute disaster for the Bucs so far this season. And it was really bad last night in the first half where the Jazz had an offensive rebounding rate of nearly 45%. Um, so that's a big area where he he can help you improve. 
And the same in those lineups if you had Chris Middleton, too, where it's just figuring out who's the fifth guy. But you got Giannis, Dame, Chris, and Jay Crowder out there. Again, very switchable. Offense is better, obviously, with Chris out there. Defense at an even 100 defensive rating. Now, it's very limited possessions because of the time that the injury occurred and you were taking your time with Chris Middleton as well. But these are the things that I don't know if it's just clinging to hope, but that's everything that we would point to and say, look, this will allow us to do some different things. It's not going to make us elite for 48 minutes, but it's going to help quite a bit. And that's what they need. They just need some help. And so far in January as well, we spent the episode speaking about the defense, but you mentioned on the fact that the offense kind of, it's been a little, a little shaky a little bit recently. And part of it just comes from the fact like, Dame had an outstanding December. He started off January pretty slow. And when one of your main points of the offense just hasn't been able to knock down shots, it makes it a little bit more difficult. I believe Dame shooting like 16% from three in the month of January, which we know he's better than 16%. We just saw him come off of a December where, you know, he was playing really well. So that's part of it as well. So yeah, getting Jay back in definitely doesn't fix everything. There's no magic bullet with this team. It's a com- it's like it's a few different things, which is why all the conversations around the Bucks are so interesting where people are focusing like it's just the coach or it's just the personnel or it's just the rotation where it's like it's a bit of everything. It's also some effort. So you hope that as you hope that the Jazz game was the low point of the season. And one thing I will say just to end it positively on that note is at least they didn't give up on each other. Like that is something that they didn't give up in that game on each other. This is a locker room that has a lot of vets in it and a lot of vets have been through situations. So hopefully they're able to stick together, come together and play better because what we've seen so far in January, we know they can be better than this. We know they can, we know they have to be better That's the part. as, as well. That's so, the part. A good way to wrap it up on a positive note. We'll be back again tomorrow and to take a closer look at a big one with the Boston Celtics coming to town right at the time that you uh, would fear the most with the way the Bucks have been playing here. Uh, so we'll preview that matchup with the Celtics. Maybe some more updates and a timeline on Jay Crowder and his return to the floor as well. If you haven't already, give us a subscription on YouTube, you can catch all the live shows that we drop over weekends. And sometimes it's just impromptu as well. Of Let's just go live today. So you'll be up to date on uh, all of those. For Camille, I'm Justin. We will talk to you once again with more Locked on Bucks tomorrow.